Well, good morning again, church. If you're a guest, uh, I want to say welcome. We're glad to have you with us today. We hope you've been maybe feeling well. That kind of looked like your church staff on Monday morning right there. I'm trying to figure out which one was Jeff, but I, I think I know. But anyway, so uh, we're glad you're here. We're starting a new series today. Um, I always know that when the fair week is wrapping up that we're getting close to, you know, school starting and it's going to get busy again and, and, and vacations are pretty much over. And, and so, I, you know, believe it or not, I mean, I, I truly, uh, not trying to be funny, I truly pray for God to lead me as I preach and share with you guys in the church. And so as the fall gears up around here, man, it's like 24-7, something's going on. And it occurred to me that as we go into this season, perhaps there are some here that maybe God is leading you to do something and share. And so we wanted for the next few weeks talk about serving. I serve is, 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 the, is kind of the, the theme of what we're going to be talking about here for the next few weeks. And I really want you, as we go into this next couple weeks, pray that God would lead you. If, if you're involved, that he would give you strength to do what you need to do this fall. And, uh, and if you're not, that you would find a, a place that God would place you in to serve. But before we get into this, let's ask God to lead us in what he's doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Oh, my, man, we celebrate the baptism. We celebrate families being here today. We just celebrate you, man. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. And God, I just, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching today, not for my glory, but I pray, God, that people will hear a, a word from you today. And that as we look at the new fall coming on and new things are going to happen, the opportunities, God, that we would take it serious and recognize that we truly are servants to share the gospel message. So be with us in this time. Speak and have your way, God, among your people this morning. And we just pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, so I heard a story about a school teacher one of school teachers, was talking to a class one day, and she said, so what do you do at home, children, to help your parents? And so one kid said, I, I, I vacuum. And another one said, well, I, I help dry the dishes. And one of them said, I, I take out the trash. And, and one of them said, I help dad, you know. And, and there was one just sitting there. And, and, and so the teacher said, so what, what do you do? He said, I just sit back and listen. And, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's uh, sometimes how it is. If I were to ask you, what is the, uh, what is the uh, secret to greatness? How would you answer that? Because if you went to Wall Street and you said, what is the secret to greatness? They would probably say money or, or finances. If you were to go to Washington and say, what's the secret to greatness? You might hear the word of, of power and political clout. And if you went to Hollywood and said, what's the secret to greatness? They would say maybe But I want to tell you something today, and I don't tell you apologizing. I tell you unapologetically that the greatest man that ever walked this earth told us what the greatest thing is. And here's what he said. His name was Jesus Christ. And Jesus the Christ said in Matthew 20, 26, he said this. Listen really close. Whoever wants to become great must be a servant of others. Wow. When we talk about greatness, we talk about it from a biblical perspective it's a whole different thing than the world sees. See, Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For even I didn't come to be served, but to serve others. Now listen to me. If Jesus, the very Son of God, came to serve, where does that put us? Come on. I'm getting serious now, right? So today I want to talk about servanthood and what that looks like. What does a real servant look like in the sense of spiritual things? The first thing that we have to realize is to be a servant you have to think different. You have to think like a servant. 
in, in uh, Numbers, the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24. Here's what it says. My servant Caleb thinks differently and follows me completely. Not partially, but completely. He's all in. That's what he's saying. And Paul wrote to Philippians, the church. He said, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. When you think of being a servant, what does that mean to you? If I were to ask you, what does that mean to be a servant? Does that mean you sit back and watch? You see, because I believe that, that our attitude when it comes to serving counts almost as much as what we're doing. There's a man in this church, and I love him. I think he follows my email. I'm not sure. Because sometimes he just seems to know when it's right. He'll walk up to me, you know, like anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm not going to preach on a soapbox. You know, you have one of those moments where you're just like ready to go climb a tree somewhere and scream. Well, forget climbing a tree. That'd be too much work. But just go scream, right? And this man knows me so well, he'll look up to me, he'll come up to me, and he'll pass me in the hallway, and he'll go, attitude, 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 attitude. I hate it when you do that, Harold, wherever you are. But he speaks truth when he says that, because our attitude has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, God has gifted every single person in this building. You know, when I leave, the day comes when I leave, you'll say, you know, one thing I know is I got a special gift because that little bald-headed guy, that's all he talked about the whole time he was up there. I want you to understand that you have a special gift that God has given you. Your thumbprint is unlike anybody else's sitting in this room today. And God has blessed you and you won't be happy until you share that gift and share it. We have to get out of the way sometimes. We just have to get out of the way. You know what? I was reading the statistics. Um, I like statistics because I think they kind of resonate with us, and it kind of gives us some, some data to look at. I said a few weeks ago that 900 Southern Baptist churches are closing a year. Wow. I have a, a, a little bit of a theory on that. Number one is I think culture's shifting. But I think as a church, we have to recognize that we have to be outward serving, not inward serving, because that's what Jesus told us to do. And when we get to where all we care about what's going on in here, we have to watch what we're doing, don't we? Because the next thing you know, you'll kind of not see new people coming here, right? And then sometimes that's what happens. We become self-centered. But that's not what he called us to do. He called us to serve, to serve others. And I was reading a statistic the other day that said in church, in an average church in America, 20% of the people are really wanting to serve in church. I believe 80 or 90%. If I was a little boy, I'd say that. I'd be sitting back and watching that. Now, to be a servant, we have to think differently. We have to empty ourselves of ourselves. When was the last time that you and I did that? It's really hard. I mean, frankly, I'm not telling you this is easy, but it's, it, it, it is easier when we recognize that God has a calling for us to do that. And it's not something some preacher's trying to sell you, but it's, it's what God's called us to do. You see, it, the heart is the, is, the, is the matter of things. When our hearts are right, we're serving. We serve others to be, to, if we serve others to be admired, basically what we're doing is manipulating. That's not, that's not ministry. Jesus didn't manipulate people. He ministered to them. You know, there's an example in the Old Testament of doing it in the right spirit. There was a guy named Amaziah. Well, I'm glad my mother didn't name me that one. I hope nobody in here knows that name. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Anyway, Amaziah in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 3, this is what it says. Listen really close. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. 
Amaziah was the son of a king, and he became the king. And so he, he had been raised in this formality of doing what they do in the temple and going every Sunday and, or whatever Saturday or whatever day it was and doing their thing, you know. And so he had this thing down. He had a routine down, and he just followed what his father did, except the Bible says right here what we just read. He said he did it, but it was not like his ancestor David. You see, there was a difference because Amaziah was doing it just because that's what his father had done. David did it was because he loved God and he wanted to serve the Lord. And there's a difference. There's a difference. When we do it from our hearts, people feel that and it makes a difference. Numbers 20, uh, 14, verse 24, it says this, My servant Caleb thinks differently, and he follows me. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. See, it changes everything. When we experience the love of God deep down in our heart, Danny, when we recognize that, you know what, we're not worthy of what he's done for us, that he reaches out his hand and leaves the 90 and 9 and comes and gets us. Let's sit down a minute, brother. Yeah. And that's real. That's real. That's where the rubber hits the road. It's not about going through a formality that has no meaning to it at all. I think they have a name for that. They call it religion. But it's different when we have the experience of God. So what does a real servant look like? What does a servant look like? We, we have to shift our mental attitude. But I believe there's a couple things, and I want to share these with you as we go into this fall. As we think about serving, what does a real servant look like? Well, first off, I think that a real servant, real servants are self-forgetful. Real servants are self-forgetful. That is, they focus on others instead of themselves. That's what Jesus did. That's exactly what he did. I mean, when it comes to humility, true humility, true humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Do that, we see what's happening in the New Testament. It is time to change, and it moves, and it functions, and the God blesses it. We see it throughout church history. Real servants are selfless in what we do. We're self-forgetful. The idea of a servant and self-forgetfulness requires a mental shift. Because I got to tell you, we live in a me-first society, don't we? No, I tell you what, you do. You go over to McDonald's and try to cut in line and watch what happens. Or go down to the Walmart. And sneak into a line. Don't do this, but I'm just saying. Or go into that one that says 15 items and take a cartload of groceries and what? It's me first, Kevin. That's kind of how we're, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, God makes a difference in our lives. Real servants, self-forgetfulness is required. You see, the second one, and this is a big one. This is a pretty big one right here. Real servants think like stewards, not owners. Say that again. Real servants think like stewards, not owners. Come on, church. When we get right perspective, when we recognize what God has done for us and what He's how He's lifted us out of the miry clay, put our feet on a solid rock to stay. When we recognize that, it breaks our hearts, don't it? And when we see somebody that we love or another person, you know, we want to reach out. Now, does that mean I'm going to go thump them over the head with the Bible? No. I was in here yesterday. I had a funeral yesterday for Brother Light Caldwell. He was one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Beautiful man in our church. And I was downstairs. I came in about 9 o'clock, and I came in, and I heard a drill running. And I'm like, somebody's drilling. What, what's happening, man? I mean, we're supposed to be playing golf or 
watching whatever famous sports on on Saturdays or something. I don't know. I'm supposed to be drilling holes in the church on a Saturday morning, right? And I walked in, and there was this gentleman who loved Jesus. Amen. And there's a lot of you out here that love Jesus and didn't come. But this one just kind of caught me because I was going in and out all day for 2.30 or 3. And he was here all day putting up a door for me. You know what his gift is? Listen to this hand. And his blessings come, not for your, you know, for your glory, for his glory, for you to come tell him. You don't even know his name. I'm not going to tell you. He was a servant. And he was serving and he was giving his time. He was a steward of his time. He needed a door put in the church and he did it. And God bless you for doing that. You know who you are. And those of you out here that serve all the time, you know who you are. Joseph gave us an example of being a steward. Joseph was thrown in a pit by his brothers, left to die. Anybody ever feel like your family done you that way? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting here today. But here's the deal. Joseph was faithful even when he was in the pit. God raised him up, and he started at the very bottom of the rung of the ladder. And you know what? He wasn't complaining, going, oh, man, you know, I'm, you know, playing this, I'm going to live my identity. He said, God is my God. And I'm going to trust him whether I'm in the pit or whether I'm sitting on the throne of the kingdom. And God raised him up and used him. And you know what? He'll do that for you today. He will do that for you today. That's what the Bible teaches. When we recognize that we're just stewards of what we have and not owners. You guys know I love music. You know, my desire was to write a hit song. I kept telling my wife, you're going to wait three minutes and have everything you ever wanted. I turned 30, she said, three minutes was over a long time ago. I'm joking a little bit, but I'm telling you a story that's very true. She said, you either get it together or I'm leaving. And my wife used to go, how's that resume looking? And I recognized, you know what I recognized? I recognized that I had taken a gift such as an egg that God had blessed me with music that he gave to me as a young man. You know, people say, how do you sing and play the piano? I don't know that. He blessed me. That was one of my gifts. I can't even drive a nail. Need a drill like the guy did yesterday. I was telling him how much I wanted it. And here I took that and pilfered it away and almost lost everything I had. I'm telling you this because, you know what? I want you to know, I was a 90 and 9. <laughs> but I ain't today. And I'm here by the grace of God, and you can be too. Because if he can do it with an idiot like me, I promise you, we have to be faithful with what he's given us, to be stewards. See, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, and this isn't me saying this. This is red letters. Who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. Look what he says. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. By the way, I want to tell you, when I talk about playing music, I'm just telling you that's not where God wanted me. I'm not telling you that music is wrong. You hear me? And I'm not telling you that songwriting is wrong. I'm just telling you that's not what God had for me in my life. But see, when you take what God's given you and you use it for what he's called you, he'll bless it. And it'll multiply. Because you recognize as a servant that you're a steward. That you're a steward. That, that God's blessed. That the breath that you just took is a gift from God. And you want to give it back to him. Now, you know, I, you know, you guys know I've been preaching, what, two, three years here now, and I've been here 10, and, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this topic. I want to talk to you about being a steward, and you know what that's about? You know when I'm talking about stewardship, where I'm going with this? I'm talking about tithing. 
somebody says, well, here it goes. There goes preacher. He done took off time. I'm going to tell you something. I've been here that long, and this is the second time I've missed you. Okay? So I'm sorry if you're a guest today and I'm preaching on me. But you, you just hit a lucky day. But the fact of the matter is, when I talk about being a steward, everything we have, including our means, including the things that God's blessed us with, the money that we have, that's a gift from God. And so, you know, being a pastor, I love it when people come to me and go, you know, you talked about this, or I was reading in the Bible the other day, and did you know? And they say something, and God reached into their heart, Holy Spirit said, they start doing it, like tithing. And then all of a sudden, they see blessing that comes from tithing. It's like, wow, I want to share something with you. People share these with me, and I got some, I want to, these are anonymous, but I want you to listen to this. Because I want to tell you, you say, well, you're talking about this. This isn't me. These are three people that go to this church, and I can get you more. Because I don't look at who's tithing, but I know people come and say, you know, God's blessed me. Because I shared what he gave me. Watch this. I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents tithe faithfully. I saw firsthand how families were blessed. My mom would tell us because she and dad tithe. That's how it happened. That's what was going on. At the time, I thought, yeah, right, Mom. After I married, my husband and I would give money and our time to the church, but not true tithe, as the Bible says in other places. My husband and I both knew what we should do. It was hard. We have bills. 10% was a lot of money in our eyes. Tithe, by the way, the word means 10%. We were convicted and decided it was time to start giving our full 10. It came at a time when I quit my job, so we had less money in our pockets. We gave to the Lord first before we did anything else. Once we began faithfully to give, our lives changed. Not just financially, but spiritually. Our marriage and our families got better. Our family lives got stronger. Imagine that. You do what God wants and it works. Wow. Look at this. We've been faithfully giving for the past eight years, and it seems the more we give, the more blessed we are. We give more, he blesses more. You can't outgive God. If you believe that, say amen. Listen to this one. In 2003, we decided to tithe to our church each week. We were giving before, but not on a consistent basis. We had made a commitment that we would be tithing consistently, but because of what the Lord tells us, because that's what he tells us to do, it's very scary commitment. So we did it. We started slow, giving each week. It was not a full 10%, but right away that we worked up to that. But after that, we started tithing. The Lord started blessing our families. When we wrote the check, it seemed like there was not going to be enough in the account for the rest of the week, but there's always enough to get by. There's always enough. We no longer live paycheck to paycheck. You know why? Well, let me finish reading this. Because the Lord provides all of our needs. Since 2003, we've always had more than enough to cover our household expenses because we trust the Lord. And he's been first to do what he's doing. So praise the Lord. I got one more because I want you to get this. Now, I'm not one of these prosperity guys, and I'm not saying for you to give me big money. In fact, I'm going to give you an escalator, a Cadillac escalator. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to tell you is that God's blessed you. We are servants. We are stewards of what he's given us. That's what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Listen to this. We're not proud of the fact. This is another one. This, we're not proud of the fact that we didn't begin our married life tithing or that it took us longer than we like to admit to follow God's instructions. With meager incomes, more bills than we can imagine, kids added into the mix early on, we were literally living paycheck to paycheck. We were fighting over money. But no, fighting over money never occurred to us because we didn't have anything to fight over. We discussed how we were going to comply with God's word as our earthly obligations were smothering us. Our initial plan was to uh, incrementally give toward 10% of gross income. Wow. We set that plan into motion, but it didn't feel right. After a while, we just knew that we had to lean on him and get to his. We began to be obedient in what we gave to, his, to us, what he gave to us, and we trusted it to him for our daily needs. 
he felt a weight lifted off of our shoulders. I can't tell you exactly how it happened because it didn't make a lick of sense to us either. But at the end of the month, what was impossible was made possible. And we, we broke even. And that happened month after month over time as we continued to give. And the doors began to open, our careers began to blossom, and we made more than we ever could. God has blessed us beyond measure. Don't get us wrong. We're not telling that you that we're rolling in the dough. But we have peace because we know what he's trying to forgive. And it's happened to us. Our only regret is that we didn't trust him sooner. We didn't trust him more sooner. You believe God will bless you if you give to him? We have testimony after testimony of that. To be stewards of what he's given us, we need to give it back to him. We're servants who do that. Third thing is we're servants think about their responsibilities, not whatever servants are doing. Uh-oh, we're getting real offense in here now. See, because I love it when we volunteer for ministries, but then we start trying to tell other people in their ministries how to do what they're doing. I don't want to do that. Real servants are team players, right? And we recognize, hey, that person may not know what they're doing. They may need some help. Maybe they need encouragement. You ever need that, Kevin? You ever have a problem when you know what you're doing? Yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. Somebody comes and speaks truth to you. And we don't criticize one another. You know why people leave the church? Like I said last week, because we're the only ones that bury our wounded sometimes. Somebody gets hurt, somebody gets, you know, and then leave it all. And people just come and go. And we should take, take opportunities to, to be servants and stewards on what we're doing. Slow to speak and try to help people, our brothers and sisters especially, and not be so concerned about what's going on in them. I'm not talking about, you know, giving them spiritual guidance. I'm talking about comparing. See, the Bible says in Galatians 6, don't compare yourself with others. Just look at your own life and see if you have done anything to be called. You must be successful in both areas. Amen. See, there's no place really for jealousy between brothers and sisters in Christ. I was talking to a man this week, and he was telling me that he was in a church where there were some people that were into it, and half of them sit over here, and the other half sit over there. You've got to be kidding me. Can you imagine? In a church? In the body of Christ? Where's that at? In the body of Christ. Oh, it in here all of a sudden. Real servants, we do ministry together. We love each other. That doesn't mean that I always agree with you. You always agree with me. I know that. But we work through that. And and, and we recognize that God calls you and you are unique. And God's given you a gift. And I'm going to work with you. I want you to work with me. Please, be still. Here's the other thing. Real servants base their identity in Jesus. When we realize that we're unconditionally loved and accepted, we then realize that we don't have to prove ourselves. What a blessing it is. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God saves? It's for you, that he comes to you, and that he loves you? It basically means that we don't have a problem doing the jobs that aren't an ideal one. That we're not trying to prove anything. We're doing it because God loves us. Jesus, I love the thing about Jesus being our Savior and our Lord because he didn't just talk about people like that. He exemplified it. There was a scene where Jesus was with the disciples and they were gathered together. And and here these guys are. They're a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, really, if you think about it at this point because they're thinking, hey, I'm going to be in the kingdom and then I'm going to sit over here. I mean, that's the kind of attitude they had. I'm glad we don't do that today, but come on. And Jesus, what does he do? He goes over and he gets a bowl and he gets a towel. Now, let me stop right there. I'll come back to that in a second. In this culture, foot washing was something that was common. If you traveled in, in, in that time frame, you wore sandals or you wore shoes that were exposed. You didn't have 
you were accused of this heaven, and so when you would get to someone's house, your feet would be dirty. If you were of meager means, the, the owner would give you a bowl and you'd wash your own feet. But if you were of other means, you had somebody that would wash your feet for you. And that person that did that, that was the lowest job in society. Oh, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an architect. I'm an engineer. What do you do? I'm a football player. You know? Jesus sitting with these guys. They've all got their different places. And he goes, and what do you do? He goes and gets dirt and wraps a towel. And he goes over, and I can just see this. He goes over to Simon Peter, and he kneels down, and he begins to wash his feet. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? You're not going to wash my feet. That's a Peter thing. You're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said to him, unless I do, you have no part with me. Talk about servant. Jesus exemplified the heart of a servant by taking the lowliest of low. showed us. He showed us what a real servant looks like. And then the fifth thing is real servants think of ministry as an opportunity, not an obligation. Why am I preaching this sermon today? Because we're going into the fall. And I know, you know, we have people, we have a tendency in all churches, we find a good horse and we ride it until it goes right by us. We need people to volunteer. Did you know there are, there are people that work in the different departments in this church? I went today and I said, how long has it been since you've been in a worship service? One of them told me six months. I said, why? And they said, because we don't have any volunteers and we can't use volunteers. See, we, we need help. Because your brothers and sisters, man, they need to be in here too. And they need to be a part of it. So what I'm doing is I'm making an appeal today when I talk about this, that this is biblical, that we serve and that we have opportunities. I love it because Sandy Scroggins, she always says, I don't, I don't have to go to choir practice. I get to go. That's the way we should take it, right? Oh, I have to go to church today. You know, it's kind of like when you talk to somebody, man, I used to, I raised all kinds of cane when I was young, man. We were partying all this stuff. You ought to see, man. And we don't have church. You ever see that? I mean, it ought to be the other way around, man. You know, like, man, I used to party with everybody. Then, then I got saved, and the Savior of the world came into my life, and everything changed. Yeah, I got saved. Yeah, right? I mean, seriously. It always tickles me when I hear that about people. Man, I don't know where you were at, but that ain't, wow, you know. It's, a, it's an opportunity and an obligation. And it's why it matters to us here at the church. Because God, in, in his infinite wisdom, created this thing called the church. And that's who we are. And we are part of that. And so it's, it's part of our responsibility to share it. And we want to do that. And we recognize that God reached out his hand to us. And to give us hope. And we want to share that. You know, I've noticed that when you, the darker the light, the darker the room, the brighter the light. You know what I'm saying? And I've noticed that people who are really in, in that dark room, when they get saved, man, you can see the light. It just radiates. And that's where he comes to. He comes right in the middle. He'll come to you before you come to him. And so it's our job, church, to share. We're gearing up. School's starting. We have all kinds of things going on. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray about what, what can I do to help to relieve some of these folks that have been working. We're going to have a, a, a sort of a volunteer fair. Sunday in two weeks. 
remember that. If you're not serving in a, in a, in a position, you know, you can actually do anything. Listen to me. We have a gentleman. I came up here the other day, and I was praying, and I walked out, turned around, walked out, and I got outside, and I looked, and I come back in, and he was walking through, and his job was he took the little cart and the sheep and things. That's his job. I said, nobody knows his name. I want you to know what he is now. He got things that we can do that you can do. You say, well, I don't have any gifts. Listen, there's a lot of things that you may be able to do that you don't know about that we're doing in this church. Why do we do it? Because of God. The church is God's hands and it's his feet. Albert Schweitzer said the only real happy people are those who've learned to serve. And I just think, you know, what it would be like if, if just 10% of more people in church were in seats of service. And I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about time, money, everything else. Can you imagine that? Jesus said those two have been asked to do great. Instead of you have been asked to do great, serve God. Can we talk about greatness? Greatness is God's ability to serve. And Jesus said this, for even I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When we think of what Jesus did for us, it's everlasting. He reached down his hand and he gave it to us. When I was a kid growing up, Father, thank you for Holy Spirit that speaks to us. Thank you for this gift that you've given to us here. All gifts, talents, monetary, life, health. Thank you. I pray, God, as we go forward into the fall and as we pray over this serving kind of thing and topic, I pray, God, that you bring us to harvest. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, it's all you. It's all about you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for these that are here today. We pray that you come to celebrate the baptisms and just the service together that we've had. 